Amen. Are you enjoying your chocolate? So just to say at the very start of this, uh, this, this morning's preach from Acts, we've been in, an Acts, in our Acts series, I think since the beginning of the year. Um, this is the mid-season finale um, where we're going to take a break after this morning's message from the book of Acts. We've got the privilege of welcome, welcoming Jim Partridge from the King's Church Mid-Sussex, uh, who will be preaching with us next Sunday morning. Um, we're really looking forward to welcoming him. He's been uh, a real part um, in, of this church, a real heart and prayer for us in Crawley, um, particularly supportive of Steve um, in his role. And Jim's a part of the New Ground core team, um, so works closely and in partnership with Dave and the, the rest of the core team for New Ground. So be here next Sunday. He's got a message that he's got specifically for us as a church, so it'll be really important that we be here for that. So... Mid-season finale, Acts 8, we're in today. This morning's passage is set um, in a moment of persecution and grief. If you were here last Sunday morning um, and evening, in the evening, Ben Drew preached in the morning, Ken. um, And if you were here, you will have followed through that we're in a moment of persecution and grief um, for Stephen, who's just been stoned to death. The disciples were deeply mourning for him, um, and now we must remember, just as we get into um, Acts chapter 8, the little headings and the verse numbers weren't in the original um, writing that Luke um, put together. Um, so we're carrying on uh, in this book. We're going to start at uh, Acts 8, verse 4. Um, and where Ben finished off uh, last Sunday night, we pick up this morning to find that under great persecution, the church is scattering And yet God's plan, Jesus' commission, and the Spirit's empowering has meant that what starts to unfold is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. You're familiar with the Great Commission from Matthew 28, a job description, if you will, for each of us as followers of Jesus, where he says in Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then back to the beginning of the, this book of Acts that we've been working through. Um, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we pick up in Acts 8, where we left off last week. Let's read from verse 4 together. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and at work in us. Lord, we thank you that it is useful for teaching. Lord, we thank you that it speaks right to our heart. Lord, I thank you that today you want to speak to each of us in this room about the call Uh, that you've got for each of us. Lord, I thank you for Dave's prayer earlier on. 
Lord, that you've called us to the very places we're in. Lord, it's not always about going to new places or discovering uh, new people, finding new friends. You've put people around us. You've put us in places and locations um, where we want to shine your light, where we want to preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel, reveal your kingdom with signs and wonders. Lord, we hunger for these things. But Holy Spirit, we invite you first and foremost to come and speak to us this morning. Speak to us corporately, Lord, but speak to each and every heart in this room, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Acts 8, we've just met Philip again. Um, Philip is one of the seven who was chosen in Act 6 that we would have uh, covered a few weeks back. Um, and the seven chosen in Act 6 were to care for the poor, to uh, support the widows. Um, and we find him in today's passage being scattered under persecution in Samaria, preaching the gospel, performing signs and wonders. As we read on, we find him making a disciple of Simon the sorcerer. He has an angel of the Lord visit him and speak to him to tell him to go to Gaza. And en route, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch and teaches him of Jesus through a passage from Isaiah. He then baptizes the Ethiopian, and as they come up out of the water, the Holy Spirit takes Philip around 30 miles away in some miraculous kind of teleportation where he continues to preach all the way to Caesarea. And we also encounter Philip later on in Acts 2, I'm sure, as we continue this series in the future. So all of that from a guy who was chosen as full of the Spirit, but to wait on tables to serve the needy, to enable the apostles to give their attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And yet here we see him proclaiming the gospel, healing the sick. I'm not sure whether you've encountered this kind of thing in God, but so often when we respond obediently to God's calling and follow faithfully in what he asks of us, and asks us to do. He tends to take us way beyond the very thing that he's asked us to do. When Philip was chosen to wait on tables, he would never have thought that he would be the one to bring the gospel, to proclaim the gospel in Samaria. I had lunch with my good friend, growing friendship with Richard Paul, uh, the vicar at St Andrews, leads um, the church over in Furnace Green, a great brie, bacon and cranberry panini in their cafe. He speaks so highly of us as a church. He's visited us um, on a couple of occasions now and, and speaks so highly of our welcome. Um, there's a real unity in heart um, and mind as to the things we're going for in God for the sake of his kingdom in Crawley. And if you ever talk to Richard about his call to ministry, he'll tell you that God has a sense of humor. In being ordained into the Anglican church, there's absolutely no doubt that God is using him and using that church to accomplish many amazing kingdom things here in Crawley. God has amazing plans for each of us in this room. We need to respond in obedience to what he's asking us to do. We need to trust his leadership and not our experience. We need to follow his voice and his ways and we'll find that fulfillment and contentment will follow this call of God. So God loves our faithfulness and our obedience in what he tells us to do. And so what does he tell us to do? He calls us to be witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, 
in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And where have we found today the gospel spreads under persecution to a city in Samaria? Samaria is a region or a, uh, a territory. It's about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. Um, the first century Jews, um, those who we find this far in Acts, um, the Samaritans were seen as outcasts, as uh, those not to be trusted, those not to associate with. There was a definite tension, although along, the, along with the Jews in Jerusalem, they also were awaiting the Messiah. Philip's proclamation is good news for the Samaritans too. Many of us will know from the Gospels about the Samaritan woman's encounter with Jesus at the well. And also his teaching of the Good Samaritan. God's love is for those that we wouldn't naturally be drawn to. And yet he makes the point time and time again that this is not just good news for the Jews. It's good news for everyone. This commission is to challenge and call us to go to the places that normally we would try to avoid. Jesus specifically named Samaria in his great promise to us. And today we need to discover what that means for each of us. In an ever-growing, tolerant society, it would seem unaccepting to describe some of these outcasts or untrustworthy people that we have around us. And what God wants to do is to speak to our hearts, to the prejudices we have, to the judgments we make on people, on areas of this town. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is good news for everybody. Nobody's excluded. The gospel is big enough to reach the hardest of hearts, the lowest of the low, the stinkiest of the stinky clan, the junkiest junkie, the most religious atheist, the most devout Muslim. The gospel is good news. The gospel has power to transform, to renew, to rebuild. And this is why we are called to go and to tell. I think we often think it's not good news. I think we often feel, oh, I shouldn't share that with them because they won't see it as good news. The truth is, this is good news. The heart of the gospel is good news for all. So this scattering we've read of can sound negative, especially in the context of persecution. It sounds like running away. It sounds like we're losing. It looks like defeat looks as, low, as though the mission has been slowed down or even knocked off course. In fact, it's part of God's wise and sovereign design for how his people carry the gospel into the world. We see him working through the persecution and the scattering of the church for his kingdom, for his glory, for his purposes. Back to that Brian Bacon and Cranberry Panini. Over our lunchtime conversation that I had earlier this week, we, were, we covered many things in conversation, but one thing that we really agreed and are convinced of is that God loves every person in this town. And the role of his people, those who have chosen to follow him, is much greater than what we've seen so far. God's stirring up a movement outside of our church buildings a mobilization of people in their day-to-day -day lives, on the same mission, united in mission, for the sake of the kingdom. 
as we look at what it means for us to be a scattered church, it's worth, reminding of us, it's worth reminding ourselves of why it's also important that we gather together like this. In Hebrews chapter 10, um, we read, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We gather to spur one another on into the mission that we've been called to, towards love, towards good deeds, to encourage one another. That's why we gather. We gather to worship as we have done this morning. We gather to pray for and strengthen each other. We gather to grow, to learn, to encourage and to be filled with the Spirit, but always in order that we are sent and scattered. So where are we scattered to? We're scattered to where God has called us and where he has put us. We're talking about life away from the gathered church, life away from this building. This morning I'm not talking about new initiatives. I'm not talking about you going to find new people in new places I'm talking about the people God has put you with and the places that he has put you in. We need to realize that we are the church. This building is not the church. We are the church. We've sung it this morning. We are your church. We need your power in us. Release your kingdom. Where we go, we carry him with us. So it's where you live, it's where you work, it's the everyday things that you do in your routine, it's the small children you look after and parent, it's the mundane daily tasks you function in, it's the coffee shops or the bars you visit, it's the sports club or the playground. It all becomes so valuable in the life of a believer who has understood that I've been scattered here for a purpose by Jesus and because he has called, commissioned and commanded me to be a witness to those around me. So what do scattered servants do? Philip shows us very clearly in these five verses what it means to be a witness. Those who were scattered preached the word wherever they were. We proclaim Jesus. We perform signs and wonders. We heal the sick and cast out demons. And the result, we bring joy, great joy, to this city, to this town. Our strategy to love Crawley is simple. Every time we gather, we can send the whole church, men and women, boys and girls, out into this town every day of the week. That's why we work at making disciples of one another and of our children and teens. We're equipping people to live the normal Christian life, not as something which only happens in meetings or in the church buildings, but seeing and expecting the reality of heaven and God's kingdom to be known wherever we are in life. God doesn't make mistakes. You're not here today by mistake. The Holy Spirit's speaking to us. He's not put you in your home by mistake. You're not in the wrong part of town for now. 
He's got plans and purposes that he'll outwork through you. He's put neighbors around you, lost, hurting people. And he wants you to show the love of God to them, to share the gospel with them, to bring the life and hope and joy of Jesus into their lives, into your conversations. So this culture of gathering and then scattering, it changes the focus, direction and strategy of us as a church community. As we seek to grow through boundaries and limitations of people and geography, for all that can be achieved through our buildings, it's about the people that come in and it's about the people outside. If this building or our town centre, charity shop and cafe can engage with people, can serve and love people, create opportunities for people to see, hear, experience the church in action, then we wholeheartedly embrace that. But not to the point that we neglect those who don't, those who can't, and those who will never enter this building, that building. God has placed each and every one of us in a home, in our street, with neighbours around us, in the office, in the workplace, in schools or universities, in community groups or sports clubs, in bars, restaurants or pubs, on the bus, on the train, in the car, on a plane. Sounds poetic. <laughs> on your weekly shop or your school pickup, we must never underestimate the opportunities that God has given us. Every moment of every day we have a choice. That choice is to make and give God the glory in all that we do. He's given us everything that we need to do so. The Spirit is in us. The Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to be witnesses. We have all we need if we're filled with the Spirit. If you've not been filled with the Spirit, we're going to pray for you in a moment. Because we can't do this life without the Spirit. We don't achieve anything. We'll wear ourselves out. We'll be frustrated. So it doesn't matter where we go, because wherever we go, we get to take the gospel with us and this gospel that transforms and brings joy and hope and life to those around us. Our vision statement as a church is to be a diverse church who are equipped to impact Crawley and beyond. Gatherings like this, gathered environments can grow a church, but scattered servants, scattered disciples will reach the towns and cities around them. There's this great quote that I don't know where it came from, but I'll, um, I won't claim it. We will never get all of Crawley into our church, but we can get all of our church out into Crawley. We will never get all of Crawley into this church building. We will never get all of Crawley into this church family, but we can spread ourselves, go where we've been called to go, be who we've been called to be, and infest Crawley with the good news and love of Jesus. You are what you eat. It's only out of our relationship with God that we can share God with others. 
We can't give what we don't have. As we've received the good news of Jesus, as we've received the Holy Spirit in us, we get to give generously. We are a product of our time. Our lives are shaped by our relationships, our habits, the things we watch, the songs we listen to. How is what you're doing with your time, your relationship with God, your relationship with others, how is that impacting you? Are you aware of what you're feeding yourself and therefore what you're becoming? Are there areas in your life that you need to address and say, no, God, I want to live your way? Are there areas that you are living God's way and you want to encourage others and bring people? We spur one another on into love and good deeds. God wants to give us a purpose in life. All around us, we see people with a lack of purpose, a lack of understanding. What what am I doing? Why am I here? Where am I going in life? God gives us a clear purpose. And this purpose he gives us is of eternal significance. We carry something of eternal value. Maybe for some of us, he is calling us out. Maybe for some of us, he is calling us to new things, to to the nations. But for all of us, he is calling us to be who he's called us to be and to be where he's called us to be. You don't have to play up or or perform. You don't have to put on a false front. We get to be who we are as God's children, fully content and secure in that identity. And we get to work out within the places and circumstances that God has already planned for us. No mistakes in him. Our 2020 goals that seem ever more outrageous and impossible are going to require much more than this setting on a Sunday morning. Just dream with me a moment. We're talking about baptizing 140 people. If that was just on a Sunday morning, what's that? 12 12 a month? Three every Sunday? What about baptisms outside of Sunday mornings, but where we are the church together, where we go? Giving away corporately 60,000 pounds to bless others. But individually, Where are we seeing need? Where can we give? Where can we cultivate that generosity in our own hearts, in our own lives? How are we praying for the sick in schools, colleges, workplaces, with our neighbours? How are we meeting with believers and unbelievers outside of this format? How are we investing in others, encouraging and spurring others on to become more like Jesus and to live the way that he's called us to? How are we giving ourselves to leadership assignments and kingdom living? Our call by God that Jesus spoke to us is to make disciples. Go and make disciples. Do you know what Jesus promised to do? He promised to be with us. He promised to build his church. Don't fret, it's in good hands. He will build his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. He is building this church. He is building the church in Crawley. He is building the worldwide and eternal church. His bride is in good hands. 
but he's got a call and a part for us to play. So what about me? I just want to spend a couple of moments. Um, we'll get the band up um, in just a minute, but just, just to respond very practically, I hope. Ask three really simple questions that should come up, I hope, behind me. Where has God put me? This is the point where you take out a pen and paper, get your iPhone, your smartphone, your iPad, your notebook. I I genuinely think this is something that we can do individually that allows us to um, do something for the kingdom of God. Where has God put me? Think about, consider, write down the places that God has put you. Where, Where are you week to week? Where do you spend your time? How much of your time is at home? Who has God put on your heart? What people, when you see them or talk about them, do you, do you just get a, something deep within you, a dissatisfaction of saying, God, I want you to reach out your mighty strong arm and save them. Who are those people? Who's he put around us? Who do we sit next to at work? And then thirdly, what am I going to do? What is this next step for me? Having worked out and just acknowledged where God has put me, please feel called and released to be who you are in those places, to bring the life and hope of Jesus into every situation you possibly can. You won't be disappointed. You won't disappoint him. He loves you. He's for you. For some of us, I don't know if anyone in this room is feeling prompted to respond to this mission. Maybe you've not given your life to Jesus. Maybe this is the first you've heard of it. I want to invite you today to make that decision, to live your life in this way, to hand over control and leadership, to surrender to the one who gave everything for us, who gave up his life who died on the cross for us and to take seriously this call for the lost and the hurting around us. And again, as I said earlier, there's an invitation to be filled with the Spirit, whether for the first time or not. Philip was a man full of the Spirit. We can only be who we are meant to be and do what we are called to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Spirit, if you've never been baptized in water, come and talk to us. We've got some baptisms to do. If you've never been baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, this morning, the Holy Spirit's with us. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. Thank you for speaking to us. So if I can just invite the band up. We won't sing just yet. Again, the the questions will stay up behind me. We will respond with singing, but I want us to respond practically in our hearts and maybe write some things down. I also just want to spend a moment waiting on the Lord. I do want to invite each of us to stand, unless you're writing things down and it's easier to sit down and write. But do, do stand with me. If you're, um, 
if you're responding to any of those things, responding to Jesus, Jesus' call to be a follower of him, to give your life over to him, I'd love to invite you to come down the front. We'll have a team of people that will be more than happy to pray for you. And also, you won't be the only ones because I also want to invite those of you who either have never been filled with the Holy Spirit or who want a fresh encounter and filling of the Holy Spirit to come to the front. Don't be shy. We care for you. And we can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. We're just going to wait to hear from the Spirit. I I trust Him to speak to us. I know He's already been speaking. If there's specific words of knowledge that anyone's got, please do come and share. But we'll just take a couple of minutes now just while Anna plays just to wait on the Holy Spirit. Let him speak to your heart. Don't be scared of the silence. Oh, it's not silent. There's beautiful music playing. Don't get twitchy. Just rest in him. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and speak. We open our hearts to you again. We take a step forward. We, we acknowledge the places and the people you've called us to be around. We trust you for fruitfulness in all that we do. Lord, but we don't measure that fruitfulness with numbers. Because we know that you measure it in our faithfulness and our obedience to what you've called us to. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.